It's good to be with you today. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians, Ephesians. We've been in Corinthians so long I had it in my head. Ephesians chapter 1 this morning. And, huh? Oh, Children's Church, thank you. I heard Levi say something, but I didn't hear it. So, Children's Church, all of you headed to Children's Church, now's the time to go. And there they go. Levi had a great camp uh, Cheryl got to go. Jamie got to go as a sponsor. Uh, Katie got to go. Kayla got to go as a sponsor. They had a great time at camp. There were six uh, young people that were saved at camp this year. Hallelujah. Yeah. That's awesome. Levi's going to get to talk to the parents of those children, and we're going to try to plan a baptism service the 27th of this month. So put that on your calendar. You don't want to miss that. They were all from our church, yes. Yeah, that's right. Yes, very successful camp this year. They went to Cross Timbers instead of Falls Creek. And uh, it's really oriented camp. So we're glad. This morning I want to talk to you about, uh, of course, I gave us the title of Under Construction. And what it's referring to is you... And I, it's also referring to the world, it's referring to a lot of things. And when we come to Ephesians, uh, we get in chapter 1, not so much doctrine. We get some doctrine, teaching, but what we really get, and I want you to see this morning, is that we get reality. We're going to get things the way they really are, not according to the world and its thinking, but according to God and what He's doing. So we get a reality check this morning. And I hope that you uh, can be patient and hang with me through this process. We're going to get some meat today, all right? We're not going to be on milk this morning. We're going to get some real food today from the Bible, and I hope that you see that. Uh, Ephesians 1 gives us a lot of underlying support about the Christian life and about life in general as well. This is the way that God runs the universe. This is what God is doing in the world. God decides, and then we get to read this morning about Jesus and we get to see how God decides what's going to happen, and then Jesus makes it happen. Jesus accomplishes what God has decided to do. Jesus is the action. God is the deciding factor. So we're going to put all of that together in our text, Ephesians 1. We're going to begin in verse 7. So I want you to stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word in His house. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. A couple of the texts that we read this morning had to do with mystery. And so I I wanted to have them read those so that we prepare us for what we're going to read now. Verse 7, in Him, okay, in Jesus, right? In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace which He lavished upon us. That's enough right there to... Build a fire in anyone. Amen. Okay. Verse 8 again. Which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, He made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His kind intention, which He proposed in Him, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness 
of the times. That is, the the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things upon the earth. In Him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to His purpose, who works all things after the counsel of His will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of His glory. Skip down to verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. Let's pray together. Lord, bless your word in our heart today. Help us to discern it, Lord. Help us to see the mystery that you have revealed to us. Help us to live that purpose out that you show us today. And I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. A mystery. We read that just there. What is a mystery? Well, all of us uh, watch mystery television or we tell mysterious stories. And so it's along the same lines in that when God reveals a mystery. There were things that have been hidden for long ago. Let me tell you the mysteries of God. You can't go to college and discover them. You can't look through nature and figure out the mysteries of God. You can't come to church necessarily and study and learn about the mysteries of God and have them shown to you. Only God Himself can reveal the mysteries to us. Right? There's a mystery of the gospel that Paul writes about in Ephesians. There's a mystery of faith that he writes about in Ephesians. There's a mystery uh, of Jesus himself that Paul writes about. Here he writes about the mystery of the purpose of God. So let's dig into that a little deeper. What is the purpose of God? What is the purpose of this universe? What is the purpose of all things happening? What is the purpose of you? Why are you here? What is the reason you were created and why are you living today? What is that purpose? We all ask that question. We all look for those answers. The world and science wants to tell us there is really no purpose in the universe. That it just happened by chance. There's no purpose in you being here. There's no reason for you to be here. You were here by chance as well. There's no significance to you. There's no reason for you to be existing. You just live and you die and you go in the ground. Now that's the world and that's what science wants to teach us. But Paul busts that wide open, breaks that down, changes the way men should look at the purpose of life. And he did it right here in our text. All right? He shows us the purposes of life. Recorded history would tell us that things are the way they are, and in fact, things are getting worse. As we look at history, you and I can see that as we turn on the TV and we read the newspaper. We see things getting worse and worse and worse, but Paul says things are coming together to be summed up in Christ. I tell you, church, all the time, don't I? Things are not falling apart. Things are falling into place. And so when we think about that, we need to have that mindset 
as the world slams us, as the life comes before us, as problems, joy, happiness all take place within our life, we must understand that there is a purpose in life. There is a reason that God has made all of this. Before the world was created, God had a plan. What was God's plan? Well, a little bit of that plan was to make a people for His own possession. God wanted people to fellowship with. God was not wanting to be alone in the mass of universe. God wanted you. God wanted a people to spend with Him, to share with Him, to have time with Him. And so God went about the business of accomplishing that. That's always been his plan and his goal, and he's been putting that into practice. In fact, that's what he's doing today. He's making people for himself. Amen. He's making people to be his bride, to be his church, to be his family. That's what God is accomplishing today in this world. Revelation tells us that these people are going to come from every tongue, every tribe, and every nation on this planet. Amen. So God is widespread, not just localized in His people. He's going to draw them to Him from all over the world. There is a purpose in God. When we come to the family of God, suddenly we have a sense of identity. I have a sense of worth. I have a sense of being loved. I have a sense of knowing who I am. I know who I am. Do you know who you are? You are created in His image. You've been drawn to Him through His grace. And we know this. And we know why we're here now. Amen. We weren't just here to live and die and go in the grave. We were here for a reason. To know Him. To make Him known. Amen? That's what Paul is writing about for us today. So we know who we are. We know how we got here. Verse 7 tells us, look at it again, In Christ, in Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. I know how I got into the family of God. Because Christ did it for me. Christ made the way for me. He brought me to Himself. I now know why I am and who I am. I know where I belong. The world doesn't know that. The world is not aware of that. All of this is a mystery to them. All of this is still hidden from their eyes. But God wants you to understand something. He's given you, believer, an obligation and a principle to live by. And here's your purpose. 1 Corinthians 4.1 Cheryl read these words. Look at them again on the screen. Let a man regard us, Christians, let a man regard us Christians in this manner, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Amen. You have a responsibility to know these mysteries. What were they? Mystery of faith, mystery of the gospel, mystery of Christ, mystery of purpose that we read this morning. You, believer, are to understand these mysteries because God's revealed them to you. And now you are to be a steward of those. What does that mean? To dish them out, teach them, spread them around, show them to the world, live it in front of them 
reveal to them these mysteries by the way that you live. We'll get into that in a deeper sense in just a moment. What is one of the mysteries that I want to share with you this morning from our text? Look down in verse 10. With a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ Jesus. You are to make this known, the uniting of all things, that would be another word for summing up. Your Bible might even use a different word. But the, the purpose, the goal is that all things are coming together to be concluded in Christ Jesus. Amen. The summing up of all things. Now, let me say this. The word that we have in the English, all things, there in verse 10, the summing up of all things, if you went to the Greek, it would be two words, and it would mean this, all things. Okay? Everything. Everything. Good, bad, ugly. Everything is working together to bring the end to conclude in Jesus Christ. So that He will be the head of all things. You see that? He'll be the supreme ruler, the supreme organizer, the supreme of everything. This is what God is working. This is why we are under construction today to bring about this event in history. When will it happen? Well, verse 10 tells us, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times. So when's it going to happen? When the time is full. That's when it's going to happen. When is that, Brother Clay? I don't know. Okay? No one knows except God the Father. He knows the fullness of time. He knows the fullness of the times of the Gentiles. The Bible teaches us that when the gospel is preached to all in the world, then the end will come. Okay? So that is the fullness of time coming to completion when Christ is everything. Right? We are His bride. We are His church. We are His family. This is a beautiful text, a beautiful thing. In fact, Paul emphasizes all things by saying it like this. All things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. Right? He amplifies all things. Everywhere things. All things. The things that we cannot see. The things in heaven. The spiritual things. The forces of demonic angels against the forces of heavenly angels. Those things we cannot see in this life. But they're real and they're there and they're working around us. But God will sum up all of that in Christ. All the things that we see in this world. The strife, the trouble, the joy, the happiness. All of that is working together to sum up all things in Christ Jesus in that day. Right now, the world is not that way. The world seems to be divided. We are out of step with nature. Why is it that the animals run from us? Right? Why do they have a fear of us? Why are things happening the way... Why are we polluting our rivers and our oceans? Why are we building piles of trash around the world that we don't know what to do with? Because we are out of sorts with nature. 
We are out of sorts with ourselves. We fight among ourselves. Nation fights against nation. Tribe against tribe. People against people. Race against race. Culture against culture. We even fight within ourselves. We know that we want to do good. But a lot of the times, this thing rises up in us when we do the opposite. And we want to do the opposite. I want to retaliate. I want to have revenge. I want to get justice. We know to do good, but in ourselves we still sometimes do what's wrong. We are divided among ourselves. Right? We are divided in nature and all this. Here's what God says in Philippians chapter 2. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those who are in the heaven and on the earth and under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus is the Lord to the glory. Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. One day that's going to happen. We won't be divided. In fact, Jesus came 2,000 years ago to begin to heal and mend and fix this division. But we see it escalating in the wrong direction. Does that mean he's failed? No. It does not mean he's failed. It means that his purposes are happening so that his family is pulled out of the world. The people who don't believe in God, the people who don't trust God, the people who don't want God, Jesus is calling us out from among them. So that one day, all things will come together under Christ. And He will judge the world for its sin. And then He will bring us to the place He's prepared for us. Amen? That's how it works. That's what God is doing today. That's a great hallelujah, hallelujah for you and I to, to understand. Now, let's get back to Ephesians 1. Uh, Jesus came to stop all that division, right? He came to, to heal it, to mend it, to stop the strife, to do away with the hateful words. And He's already begun the process. Here's what He said while He was here on the screen. He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters. So Jesus already began the process to bind up the brokenhearted, to heal those who were hurting. Now, how is this a mystery? How is it made known to us that God reveals this mystery of Christ? Look in verse 9. Here's how He made known to us the mystery. He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His kind intention which He proposed in Jesus. It says Him. Okay? It means Jesus. That's what who he's, the Him is. So God sent Jesus here to show us the way, to show us the plan, to show us the possibilities, to show us life, to show us the mystery of God's purpose, to bring about all things for the good of God and the good of us as well. I have to understand this before I can share it. Sometimes the church has failed to reveal the mysteries of God, as it said in Corinthians, we are stewards of those because we don't understand them ourselves. And we get confused about the mysteries of God. We get confused about Jesus' teaching. When the world says there's no purpose, God says, I have a purpose. All the events are leading up to this summation in Jesus Christ. Amen. The wars, the famines, the plagues, the disasters... 
All of that is at the hand of God. And He allows it to bring about this end. If you don't understand that, you need to recalibrate your thinking. You need to readjust the way you look at God. He's not a God who just throws little bits of grace at the world once in a while and one of them hits, one of them lands on somebody. God is orchestrating, as we read, all things. Amen? Amen? That's the mystery. That's what we get confused about, how God could be in charge of all things when it looks like it's falling apart. But remember, it's not falling apart. It's falling into place. God is bringing about that end. God has made known to us the mystery. Look in verse 8. You know, it's unfortunate the way our church fathers punctuated these verses. That's why I tell you sometimes it's difficult to read Paul because you just have to read a whole paragraph about ten times to get what he's saying. Because we put punctuation in terrible places. When Paul wrote, there was no punctuation. Verse 8, B, I'm going to call it. There's a period and then the sentence begins, In all wisdom and insight, He made known to us the mystery of His will. So how did God do that? In all wisdom and insight. He did it in Christ. Let me show you what was going to happen from the Old Testament writings when this Christ showed up. Isaiah 35 on the screen. Say to those with anxious heart, Take courage, fear not, behold, your God will come with vengeance. The recompense of God will come, but He will save you. Then, when God comes, then the eyes of the blind will be opened, and the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb will shout for joy. Amen. That's what happens when Jesus shows up. Right? Our eyes are opened. Our ears are unstopped. We are able now to see and understand spiritual things when Christ moves into you. Before that, you would read the Bible. Makes no sense. You might grasp a page. You might grasp a text, a sentence. But to read the Bible, you were unclear of it. Until the Holy Spirit came in and you read that Bible and your eyes were opened. And your ears were unstopped. And you leaped for joy. Amen. Because the Holy Spirit had given you this teaching and these things. This happened when Jesus came. The healing. The mending. The fixing. The red letters. Aren't the red letters beautiful things for us? These are... God's words directly out of His mouth. Amen. And we know the other letters are also God's inspired word. But these red letters He spoke with His lips to us. Amen. And they are valuable to us. Not more than the others, mind you. But they are different than the others. Because they came directly from Him in a way. Jesus began to teach us while He was here that He could tear down an old life, and at the same time, restore it and begin to build it anew. How does He do that? How does He tear down our old way of living and at the same time bring us new life? As the old is destroyed, the new is coming. You know, typically when we rebuild something, we have to tear it down and haul it off 
wipe the place clean, and start building something new. But that's not what God does. Amen. Amen. He begins to tear down the old as He's replacing it with the new. And the structure's still there. That's you and me. My old life has been crucified. It's been done away with. I am to do away with it continuously. But new life is filling it. Amen. New life is coming in. As the old is going out, the new is coming in. I don't know how He does that, but He does that. And that's the idea that Jesus had for us while He was here This is happening today under construction. You and I are under construction. The church is under construction. God's purpose is being fulfilled in these red letters. What do I mean by that? The Beatitudes. All right? Let's take one of the Beatitudes. Blessed, happy, happy is the man who is poor in spirit. What? Happy is the man who is poor in spirit? How does that even make sense to the world? How are we supposed to understand that? How do we explain that mystery? Happy is the man who is poor in spirit. Well, we understand it as Christians because now we see that our resources don't come from the world. They come from another source. My happiness doesn't come from this world. My happiness comes from my relationship with Jesus Christ. Happy is the man who is poor in spirit. Why? Because God will fill my spirit. And He will change my spirit. And He will give me spirit. And so I can be happy in Christ even though I am poor in spirit towards the world. What about... Another part of uh, Jesus' teaching. Well, wait a minute. We listen to those uh, Beatitudes. We recite them. We say that they're wonderful, but yet do we really believe them? Do I really believe those attitudes? Blessed is the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. That's not how that works. The The merciful get run over. Right? How does that work, Lord? Well, here's a man named J.B. Phillips. He was a theologian, commentator, and he he gave us the uh, Beatitudes of the world. I want to read them to you. Happy are the drug pushers, for they get on in this world. Happy are the hard-boiled, for they never let life hurt them. Happy are those who complain, for they get their way in the end. Happy are the blasé, for they never worry over their sin. Happy are the slave drivers, for they get results. Happy are the knowledgeable men, for they know their way around. Happy are the troublemakers, for they make people take notice of them. Man, we don't live by those. Those are opposite of what Jesus said, aren't they? We have to understand the red letters teaching us things of this world. The world and Jesus are divided. How do we know The disciples came to Jesus one day in Matthew chapter 18, and they said, Lord, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus probably just shook his head. I I don't know that. It didn't say that, but he probably just looked at the ground and said, oh, boy. So he calls this little boy over to him, little child. He comes over, he puts this little child in front of the disciples, and he looks at the disciples and he says this, unless you are converted and become like this one, 
you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Amen. And they probably went, what? What are you talking about? What is he talking about? That's a mystery, isn't it? For the world, but for you and I as believers, we understand that principle. Unless we are converted and become like innocent little children, trusting our Father, believing in Him, following Him, obeying Him, walking in His steps, just like your child does to you. Unless we become like that, we won't enter the kingdom of heaven goes on in the Bible, and, and John and James's mother, now, boy, she loved her two boys. You, you can understand that. She was like these uh, parents today that are just going to take care of their t- kids and, and go to bat for them no matter what. She comes to Jesus. These are two disciples now, James and John. And their mother comes to Jesus and says, hey, Lord, would you do me a favor? What is it? I want you to sit one of my boys on your left and one of my boys on your right in your kingdom. Again, Jesus probably looked at the ground and said, oh boy. (laughs) And he looked at her and he said, you don't know what you're asking. In other words, my kingdom doesn't operate like that. My kingdom is not like that. That place is reserved for whomever my father wills. Right? Again, the world divided. We, we, we want prominence. We want things to happen. You know, you guys that work, you, you ladies that work, have you ever read the parable of the laborers in the vineyard and, and, and it gave you trouble a little bit inside? What is that parable? Well, the man went out. He had a vineyard. He went out to hire some workers. The harvest time was ready. He said, hey, I need some workers. He went to town. Guy standing around said, would you go work in my vineyard? Sure. Well, I'll give you this much money. Off they go. Later on in the day, he realizes he needs more workers. He goes back to town. There's still some guys standing around at lunchtime. Would you go work in my vineyard? I'll give you this much money. How much money? The same amount of money as the first guys got. Yeah, we'll go for half a day. They go. Quitting time, almost. He comes back to town. He says, man, I need some more help. Will you guys go work in my vineyard? Got an hour left. Well, how much does it pay? It pays all day. What I paid the first guys, you'll get for an hour. Yeah, we'll go. They all go. What happens to the guys working all day? They throw a fit. Let me tell you today, in our world, the Department of Labor would close down that vineyard, wouldn't they? You can't make a guy work all day for the same pay that you give a guy an hour. And they would shut that down. But that's not in Jesus' kingdom. That's not how that is. And he says to the men, are you mad at me because I'm generous? Are you mad at me because I... Give what I desire to give to men. You see, God's kingdom is not like ours. He doesn't think like us. He doesn't reason like us. He's not us. Amen. He's above us. He's beyond us. And this is what Paul is trying to teach us today. Jesus came to heal, to rescue, to forgive. And yet we read in Matthew 10, He said... I came to bring a sword. A sword's not for healing. A sword's for dividing. A sword's for weaponry. A sword is for fighting. And Jesus says, I came to bring a sword. I came to divide a family. I came to divide a father from his son. I came to divide a mother from her daughter. A daughter-in-law from her mother-in-law. This I came to do. What is he talking about? That's a mystery that the world doesn't understand. But you and I understand it. 
When He calls me out of an unbelieving family and I become a believer, He has divided me from that family. Now I am to witness to them, I'm to love them, but I am not like them anymore. I am divided from them. I am now in the family of God. Oh, I long for my family to be saved. I long for them to understand the mysteries of God. But Jesus came to do that. Jesus came to destroy the old and build the new. That's the purpose of God. That's what He's showing us in our text today. All of the things that are happening, everything is pointing towards that end when Jesus is lifted up. Amen? Now let me ask you a question. What's your part in all of this? What are you to be doing in all of this? It's in our text. Let's look at it. Verse 11. Also, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to His purpose, who works all things after the counsel of His will. To the end, here it is, this is the end, that we who were the first to hope in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. That is our purpose. That's the reason we are still here. That's what we are to be doing in this mysterious purpose of God. We are to be living a life in such a way that we would bring glory to God. Are you doing that? That's the big question this morning. Is your life bringing glory to the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, it says that He is our inheritance. What is an inheritance? It's something that you receive uh, from someone else. It's something that you can draw off of. You can live off of that. You can operate with that inheritance. And so He is our inheritance. He is our power. He is our uh, love. He is our life. He is our wisdom, our truth. By Him we live. Our life is Jesus Christ. He is everything for us. And if you're not connected in that way with Him, and in a personal level, if He's still a God to you way off in heaven, then you're not drawing that power daily. He's disconnected from you. He is not a God who is way off in the distance. He is a God who dwells in you. He is a God who is seated by you right now in this sanctuary. That is the personal relationship He's after with you. Do you talk to Him daily like that? Do you converse with Him? Do you listen to what He says? Do you love Him in that way? That's what is required. That's the mystery. That's the way we bring Him glory. When the life that we live has ups and downs, the way I respond to those brings glory to my Lord. If I respond in a godly way. If I kick and scream and throw a fit when something wrong happens in my life, that's not bringing Him glory. That's not bringing Him praise. I have to remember that all things are happening. What is this telling me? This is telling me this, that I can no longer complain about what life throws at me. If I'm in Christ, and I'm walking with Him, and I'm loving Him, and He's loving me, and I'm in relationship with Him, whatever life brings me has been decided 
by the Father. Amen. Did you, do you understand that? He's working all things together for summing up the end in Christ Jesus. All things. All the bad that happens to me. Stop complaining about it. Stop griping about it. Stop worrying about it. The Father decided it for you. The hand that you're dealt came from Him. Nothing the devil can do to you without first going by the throne of God. He can do nothing to you without first being allowed by your Father. So your Father is allowing everything that's happening in your life. What's He doing that for? To see the response. To show you where you are with Him. If you, if you take that bitterness and that hurt and that pain and you deal with it in a godly way, trusting in your Father, calling out to Him, that brings Him glory. If you take the great things that happen in your life and you let them go aside without ever acknowledging where they came from, that's not bringing Him glory. So the good and the bad in your life must work together to bring glory to your Father. That's the whole idea of that. We are uh, His, I'm sorry, He is our inheritance. Now, let's turn that around. You are His inheritance. Have you ever thought about that? You are His inheritance. He came and died on that cross to pay for your sin so that you could become the family of God. Amen. Now, in that family of God, we bring Him honor and glory and He is lifted up. You are His inheritance. You are His to be used by Him. He can draw off of you. The same way you draw off of Him, He draws off of you. What is He drawing off of your life? Grumbling, complaining? Or is He drawing praise and glory from you? Think about that. God is working all of that together. Look at verse 18 one more time and we'll be finished. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. You see that? You are His inheritance. He's doing all of this for you. Honor Him. Live a way that honors the Lord. Connect with Him. Speak with Him. Follow Him. The Father has made the choices for us. Now our response in a godly way brings glory to our Lord. The ultimate goal of God is to glorify Himself. And He uses us to do that. Is He doing it through you? I pray that He is. Let's pray together. Lord, I ask You to bless uh, this moment now as Your Word is spoken to our heart and You've revealed Yourself to us this morning through that Word. And Lord, I, I know my life doesn't always bring You glory. I know I complain about things. And now, Lord, I want to stop. I want to understand 
that you allow everything in my life, the good and the bad, so that I would look to you in all of it. I would acknowledge you in all of it. And as others see me doing that, it would bring you praise. When people see us as Christians living a God-honoring life, Lord, that is attracting to the world. And more people would want to come and be a part of that. Help us, Lord, to see that. Help me not to complain anymore. Help me not to grumble. Help me to give you praise in everything. I know that's not easy, Father, and I need you to show me how to do that. I need you to show me the way. Like Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. He was bringing you praise even when he said that. Because your purpose was being fulfilled. Your purpose of giving your son for us was being accomplished. Help us see that. Help us explain that mystery. Help others to understand it that they might become your family as well. I love you, Father. Help me to live a life that shows that today. In Jesus' name, amen.